in part 2 of this conversation debunking sleep myths we go deeper into more critical aspects if you missed part 1 of this conversation take a listen to episode number 144 in today's podcast we will answer three questions is napping good bad or essential is snoring harmless or harmful are over the counter sleep medications safe long term we also look at what can postpartum women do dr shweta kanchan was very clear that she wanted to set out to debunk some of the common sleep myths out there this two part episode explores very common statements that you might hear dr kanchan is a sleep specialist who got fascinated with sleep medicine and carried out postdoctoral research work at King George's Medical College she has several publications in various national and international journals and her work on sleep during covid-19 pandemic was published in the prestigious journal of clinical sleep medicine she is certified by the prestigious world sleep society and also holds the rpsgt credentials which is a gold standard certification of sleep technology let's get started hey everyone i'm deepa light functional medicine practitioner author and yogini and you're listening to the sleep whisperer podcast the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Now coming back to something that is um a bit controversial because you hear Rujuta Devekar telling every day on her Instagram about how everybody should take a nap after sleep and ayurveda is always about saying that the nap during the day is one of the ways that you have circadian misalignment now um we hear a lot of things about napping i do come across sleep practitioners in the west who talk about how to take a nap the right way what is the time to take a nap and uh, can an or even the statement that a nap can compensate for not sleeping at night now is that a myth or a fact and also what are your thoughts about napping itself is a very very important and relevant issue that that's why you so first of all napping is not essential so again it's a myth that you need to nap every afternoon or every day you know in the day hours it is not essential it is just something it's it's as simple as that sleep uh, sleep is a physiological need so uh, that is uh, an essential part napping is some people take a short sleep in the day hours and that is what napping is so it is not essential and uh, nap actually little little bit lessens the sleep debt that you have 
if supposing you are you have been waking uh, waking up from 6 in the morning and you go to sleep at 10 in the night so maybe at some people go to uh, go and take a nap of maybe 30 minutes 40 minutes around 1 pm and then then they say that i'm feeling better and i'll be good throughout the day so that kind of short nap that kind of nap early in the part of the day is fine if you need it it's fine because then that is going to improve your cognitive abilities improve your memory improve your psychomotor functioning your vigilance that is okay but nap you know nap but if you go on taking that nap like a sleeper you sleep at 1 you sleep at 2 you sleep at 3 and you wake up after 2 hours of nap so that is just destroying your good nocturnal sleep it will prevent a good consolidated sleep from happening it will do more more harm than good much more harm than good so napping is not essential if you don't need a nap don't go for it it is not something you need to go for it you know it's just like uh, uh, if you don't need to eat a sweet you don't eat it it's not essential for your health however if you are taking one and in a limited amount and uh, that part of the day where it can be easily metabolized like supposing napping if you are taking like around 1 pm 2 pm good but don't go beyond that i always ask my patient so they ask me what about afternoon sleep so i said if you want to have a nap take it in the early part of the day say don't go beyond 3 pm then let it be a 30 40 minute nap that's it that is enough to again give you you know uh, put you in the top gear if you need to if you feel that you are feeling low or very drowsy however if you can go without a nap that's still better the reason being that we collect you know a lot of metabolites as a result of a day long working like adenosine like neuromelpeptidases these metabolites are result of our homeostatic work or our physical activity or our mental work that we put throughout the day okay and when these metabolites collect at the end they go and get attached to the preoptic nuclei where the sleep switches that is the ventrolateral preoptic nuclei in the brain they get attached adenosine is attached there and that is an important part of induction of sleep so the more the homeostatic the better the sleep and we are you know decreasing the homeostatic drive by taking uh, inappropriate erratic you know year and nap so what i mean to say is that napping is not bad if it is timed early in the day and it's a short duration of time because if it is that way it's good however if you don't take a nap it is it means that you are uh, getting more and more of homeostatic drive because there are two things which push you to sleep one is your circadian drive that is in the night you sleep in the day you wake and other is your homeostatic drive that is the more tired you are the more you work the more uh, effective you spend your day the better the sleep will be so those kind of metabolites when they get collected in the brain they put you to sleep so you know napping kind of dissolves them a bit so decreases the level of those metabolites so if you don't need don't nap if you need take a shots and uh, uh, nap early part day that's just it it is not very important you don't have to make a big deal about nap that is that is what i feel about it and i think shweta it's interesting that you compare snoring uh, napping to sugar because that doesn't really make me feel very confident about napping itself so it was an interesting analogy connecting Actually, sugar is, sweets you know uh, that is, that is just because you know when i really have to press upon my patients so there are many of them especially young adults they'll come from the college at 5 pm and they say then uh, after that then i take a nap at 5 i said why because it's like then i can wake up till late in the night i said why do you have to take it you know it's just like is there a need for it at that time it's better you stick to a fixed sleep fixed schedule you sleep feel sleepy by 10 you feel you go and do, go to bed at 10 you wake up at 5 that will be good but then you know they are uh, they they uh, it's the kind of their behavior is what you call as behaviorally induced insufficient sleep 
they are so much into their thought is so much uh, or that they, they have this beliefs about how what a good sleep is how much time what is the nap what is an ideal nap so you know i have to keep giving them some kind of examples to enforce them maybe it just came out of out of there what uh, some uh, but otherwise you know napping is not bad but not advisable if you don't need one you don't have to go for it and shweta coming back yeah. to another myth and this is something that you know my husband and i used to joke a little bit about because he has these terrible snores and i can't sleep next to him because the whole bed is shaking and uh, so one joke that he made was you know my father also snored and uh, you know that i mean i'm not paying anybody to snore it's not harming it's not costing me money to snore but is snore Snoring really harmless? Is it? Uh, is that a myth, or is it really? Uh, I mean, it doesn't connect to more complex health challenges. What does it say about our overall health? So I hope he, he definitely listens to this uh, podcast of ours. And if not, this pass is to be really. Uh, you make him hear this. So what you know, snoring is. So there are two things with snoring. So when a person snores. more often than not more often than not there has to be some kind of a pathology so snoring could be harmless also people there are there are people who are primary snorers where by the snore is just because of some kind of obstruction in the upper airway and nothing more than that and that's just a noise that is being produced by the vibrations so person isn't worried because of that but more often than not when a person is snoring it is because of that that obstruction is leading to something else it is also causing you know it is causing the a uh, person to have episodes of apnea where he can ac- actually stop breathing for some seconds or hypopnea where the delay where the flow the air flow will diminish or decrease to a certain extent so these kinds of ep- episodes of either apnea that is cessation of breathing or hypopnea what they see there that and also the person can have a dip in his oxygen level while he is uh, having these episodes of you know respiratory disturbances so they they can be an indicator of a problem which is called sleep apnea which could be either an obstructive sleep apnea or a central sleep apnea but when a person has sleep apnea it means that throughout the night because of these intermittent episodes of the hypoxia or intermittent episodes of decrease in air flow he is having a lot of you know the body is constantly in a state of stress he is having the kind of air or the kind of uh, uh, the level of air we need to sustain the metabolic effort throughout the night he's not getting it he's not getting the proper amount of oxygen the proper amount of that is all missing so such people can then end up into a lot of metabolic derangements they can uh, they can have diabetes they can have raised blood pressure they can have stroke they can have nf number of problems because of they're not getting adequate sleep at night because sleep in osa or sleep apnea patients fragmented though they will not say that it was fragmented but it is they have micro arousals or throughout the night many times whenever they have these obstructions there will be an arousal there will be a disturbance in the sleep study we we'll see that the patient is now in a state of wake so the patient is not apparently awake but the sleep study shows that the entire body physiology has gone into a state of wake which means that the rejuvenating effects of sleep have have just gone out for that duration of time and again the patient will go into sleep then again a fragmentation then again a fragmentation so maybe if he is sleeping or snoring Say forty times or fifty times or hundred times. Every time that he snores, there is a disturbance in the sleep. So when you're sleeping that way, getting fragmented a hundred or two hundred, three hundred times in the night, will you be getting a refresh, or will you be good throughout the day? And then it's going to land up 
land the person into so many metabolic problems later on so it is something that if a person snores it is very very important the person should consult a sleep specialist should get a study done a sleep study done the sleep specialist will decide whether the level 1 study is needed with all the channels or even the person can do with the home sleep study which is you know which in especially in the covid times it was preferred uh, the home sleep study with fewer channels but that is also good enough for diagnosing sleep apnea so please don't hesitate taking the person to a specialist who can then conduct a sleep study and who can diagnose whether the patient has apnea or even some other sleep disorders can also be there and then he can be managed accordingly snoring is not a sign of good health that is one thing i'd always say so when a person snores he has to go to the doctor and i was just going to ask you to clarify that so how does somebody know whether their snoring is harmless or not so and you clarify that well for us and coming back to usually what happens when uh people are struggling with sleep and i mean where do where do there are uh, self prescription of sleeping pills that's done especially in india because we don't it is over the counter and um, while this is a tricky area to navigate i've spoken about this a few times on other episodes but i think given that the gravity of the problem that there are um, people whom i know personally who been taking sleeping pills pretty regularly for close to a decade so um would you say that sleep disturbances sleep uh, the inability to sleep or inability to stay asleep can be managed by sleeping pills or medication and what is the safety is there um, is it safe for long term usage is there are there differences and nuances between different classes of sleep medication and what would your thoughts be upon that so this is something which is very important you have touched a very very important aspect that is people randomly taking sleep medications many time over the counter and many time over long long durations of time where they could easily have been managed by other means but actually they had no uh, they couldn't they 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 were not aware that there were other means and methods to manage the sleep disturbances and once they got into the habit of sleep taking sleepers it became like a you know addiction for them and they can cannot sleep without taking those pills that is a very common scenario in this present day time what i have to say is that many a time people uh, it has to be decided by the doctor whether the person needs a sleep medication and for how long and what medication he or she needs but besides the medication part whenever whenever a person has sleep disturbances what the disturbance could be either he cannot fall asleep for a very long time he's in the bed he's just uh, just waiting for sleep to come or he has several awakenings in the night or he wakes up too early in the morning then we have to carefully diagnose what the patient disorder the patient has if the patient has say circadian rhythm disorder like we were talking about the rhythms earlier then the patient definitely doesn't need a sleeping pill he is not going to bed till 3 am or 4 am it is because that his rhythm is delayed he is having a delayed sleep wake pattern so his rhythm needs to be reset he doesn't need if he's yeah and i'm just going to stop you one second shweta because a pertinent point and this is something that 
Uh, I've noticed and I'm sure that listeners need some clarification that I have noticed somebody who, as you rightly pointed out, she watches very uh, stimulating TV shows till 1 a.m. And then she says, I cannot fall asleep and I need sleeping pills. Uh, And this is what you tried to clarify just now. So do clarify that for us a little bit more. So I think Deepa will just uh, clarify this. I'll just clarify it with a few scenarios, you know, what I have myself uh, uh, experienced while talking with my patients and other people. So there are, there could be people who cannot go to, you know, there are reasons why you fall asleep. Some people have poor sleep related habits that we call, they have inadequate sleep hygiene. Like somebody is taking three or four cups of coffee or tea after 5 p.m. in the evening. And he's saying, I don't get good sleep. I can't sleep till 2 a.m. in the night. So there we have the evidence that the, the, the stimulating agent is the coffee. Somebody is watching a lot of TV or somebody is binge watching. Uh, uh, you know, the youngsters, they do a lot of binge watching. So they are on there hooked up to their mobile phones. Again, that could be a reason. One thing is because the content is stimulating their brains and allow, not allowing it to sleep. The other reason is the blue light, which, you know, you were also talking about earlier, that is emanating again. That is also causing a delay in the phase shift or, or, the, or the phase or the sleep phase is getting delayed. So a person who should ideally be sleeping at 10.30 because that delay, that delay is in the delay in the secretion of melatonin hormone. So that is being delayed and now he cannot sleep before 2 a.m. So that is one thing. This is their phase or their circadian rhythm is getting disturbed. Another thing is that why do people, you know, they are there. There could be so many reasons. The, pe- the person is going for an evening walk or post-dinner time, they go for a very, uh, you know, sternus excise schedule they have. They go for gym at 8 p.m. So when this is happening, how do you expect a person to then go to bed at 10 because he has stimulated his body so much exercising? So again, we always say it's not preferable to exercise late in the night. That is sleep defeating. It's not good to go and watch television or stimulating TV. And if you have to watch TV, it should be, I know it's one hour before your bedtime, you just have to put a stop to it. It's also not good to have beverages or alcohol prior close to your bedtime. That again is disturbing sleep. Then again, we talk about uh, you, you know, somebody, people don't have to be in the in dark or in the, you know, uh, 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 the blind, the light out curtains throughout the day and managing everything in artificial light. That also is not advisable. So if person is not able to sleep because of these bad habits or bad practices, which are sleep defeating, which we say are the practices of inadequate sleep hygiene, then correcting these can correct sleep. They don't have to take medications as such at all. But unfortunately, they're not aware. They, they are so simple. Sleep hygiene practices are so simple, but they're not aware. They do it again and again and again until it becomes part and parcel of the life. And then they start taking a medication to top it up with, which doesn't help. Because whatever, you know, the... Uh, whatever sleep they are getting because of that medication, it, it also comes with a price. It will come with maybe a price of lethargy the next day. It will come with a price of you know cognitive impairment, not functioning adequately to the best of your ability, uh, mood swings, memory impairment, so many things. So until and unless a doctor feels that you really need a medication, so you don't have to take it. And then also you have your, your history the kind of pattern, what is leading you to those behaviors, they have to be elaborated well. And we have to decipher why is this happening? Is it because of some sleep-related movement disorder or OSA and the person is taking a sedative pill? That has to be very clearly defined that this is, uh, the person has insomnia and he needs it for this much duration of time. 
along with some non-pharmacological therapies, and that has to be practiced in accordance with the direction of the uh, trained sleep practitioner. Only then, you know, over-the-counter use of sleep pills is never good. And we did an entire episode on the dangers of sleeping pills with Dr. Nishi Bhopal. So if anyone wants to listen, they can go to that. I think, uh, Shweta, I'd like us to go a little bit into um, phase of life. So, you know, typically when some, um, some woman has had a baby, postpartum is a time, obviously, that... Uh, there is some level of insomnia, mainly because it's uh, default bad sleep practices. It's not because of choice, like we spoke about earlier. But if the baby is sleeping, waking, very restless, and the mother is just forced to be waking up at these times, it's not of her choice. But however, it's landed on her as default. Uh, and even sometimes when the baby is six, eight months old, and then, you know, the baby is sleeping, for several hours through the night and then the mother is still not back to sleeping and generally there's um, sometimes elders can tell you that postpartum insomnia is not something where anyone needs to intervene that it will just settle by itself and is that something that is true or not uh, it's a very good question and as female, we all have experienced this phase in our lives that whenever, you know, female, when they go through the phase of having a child and after the child is, uh, and after that, it's, it's so bad. The nights are so bad because mother, they sleep, the sleep of their child and the children, they sleep. So, so their sleep are so disturbed because they, their rhythms are still not settled. So maybe a child who is very, he is going to wake up five times in the night and sleep throughout the day and throughout the day the mother has other things to attend to maybe she can't sleep the way the child is sleeping so it's a lot of disturbance and it creates a havoc on the body and the mind of the mother so in the postpartum part uh, the postpartum period this is one area which is not being touched much in the scientific uh, researches so i really uh, out of interest i really digged in picked up uh, a lot of literature and i found that much work has not been done in this regard though it is something which is very pertinent and females you know they do pass through it so uh, whatever i found i really found that women can be helped with cognitive behavior therapies and also the circadian rhythm of the young one the child the newborn they could be uh, better entrained and timely entrained by means of exposing them to daylight or early morning light or by means of uh, giving them you know like morning has to be like morning for the child also that they can be timely entrained and timely their rhythm can be in tune with the uh, uh, natural day and light cycle. So it will be a reliever to the mother as well. And Deepa, it's not just the females. It is in every age and in so many different phases of life that sleep disturbance have a role to play. Like especially one thing which I have uh, been talking about for a very, very long time, it is in the case of the youth, the youngsters, which is the most productive population of the day. The young people, it's for mothers, it is not by choice, like you said. But for them, they have a choice. They can sleep on time. But it is just because of their behavior, because of their behaviorally induced insufficient sleep that they are taking, just because of the beliefs that they have, which I feel are disbeliefs, that's because of the attitude that they have towards sleeping, that it is not important. That's because of the fact that they keep procrastinating sleep. But it's fine to, you know, they eat up into the sleeping hours to do so many other things. So I think. For women, it's very important and equally important it is that for the population which will be driving the nation tomorrow, the youth of the day, the youngsters, the adolescents, 
the point has to be singed into their mind that it is important for you to get good quantity and quality sleep in the night so as you will have the benefits of it the next day and in the near future and also in the long term you won't develop metabolic syndromes you won't develop uh, so many diseases which otherwise you can have as a result of uh, having a sleep debt for a very 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 long time so that is something which is very unfortunate that young people are highly unaware of what what sleep deprivation could lead to and they are just eating into the sleeping hours they sleep in the morning and they they are good with it but in the night time they have they have engaged themselves with so many other activities this is again one thing which needs to be uh, talked and discussed uh, regarding sleep and awareness and you know shweta when uh, in when my grandmother and great grandmother were alive and i remember that anyone in the family who had a baby it was a done thing that the baby would be taken out into the early morning sunlight for about half an hour and uh, you know maybe we just thought there was no science to it but obviously when you're talking about how we need to try and drive the circadian rhythm of the baby uh, through exposure to light and that's what we really talking about sometimes i think some of these age old customs have so much science behind them but we just debunked those as myths and uh, truly i think if we dig deeper there's there's probably more insightful reasons as to why those practices were followed now i do want i know that we are almost uh, out of time today but I do want you to talk a little bit about what can postpartum women actually do because uh, what are we going I know that I struggled I was waking up every 2 hours in the first month because my son would never be able to sleep longer than that and what are we to do I mean obviously in my case I didn't have people around to help and um, my husband had to go to work so the only way to out of that was to tell him that please go sleep in another room and get to work uh, but because of that it took a toll on my health because i was constantly waking up so maybe if you could just provide some insight into what can postpartum women do okay but what i really feel uh, recently we are also at apis we are conducting a research on these postpartum women and what we are trying to do for them is as a part of it we are trying to introduce yoga nidra to them so uh, still the uh, work is not complete still a work under progress but what i feel from preliminary results as i find it's it's you know we have to give them ways and means how they can really compensate for the kind of sleep loss that they'll be uh, incurring in the night so measures like yoga nidra could be one thing which could be tried on them again behavior therapy is something that you know cognitive behavior therapy is it is just to keep themselves away from any uh, any kind of negativities which arise as a result of such a massive sleep loss that they have to undergo then family counseling yes because that's very important that is a support network that they have their first family members their spouses and you know like even the caretaker who's and they can even help their family can help them take turns that maybe the women should be given you know uh, adequate rest and they should uh, whatever be ways and means we can help them and maybe through methods like yoga nidra or a bit of counseling because uh, the child will anyways need the mother time in again which which you know we can't avoid those those things from happening but still it's something it's a research under uh, under progress for me also so let's see what results i get preliminary, preliminary results are good so they uh, we feel that yoga nidra or things like that can help uh, uh, postpartum mothers 
but i'll be able to comment on it a little later maybe a few months from now when i have a large amount of data with me so and lovely other, and other ways you know not much research has taken place in this area but still something which is wrong and scientific community has to look into it and speaking about yoga nidra anyway our listeners can find loads of guided relaxation on the podcast we have so many by my husband and me and then they can just play them and but thank you shweta i know we've taken a lot of time but they were lovely i love this conversation with you even though there were areas that we had different views it was a great conversation thank you for giving your time and i hope at some point you can come back and we can have other conversations which are as insightful as it was today thank you so much for inviting me it was a pleasure to me and it was a privilege that i'll be able to address a lot of audience through your podcast and maybe we can really debunk some myths with our conversation today that will be the that was the purpose behind this conversation and hopefully to be solved so thank you deepa thanks again for inviting me to this conversation on today's episode dr kanchan went through more myth debunking from the world of sleep napping is something that i take a lot of care to address in clients I mentioned Rujuta Devekar who swears by the afternoon nap however in ancient indian customs of ayurveda and yoga daytime napping is considered disruptive to body rhythms ayurveda is truly the original circadian medicine which brings immense attention to how these rhythms in sync with nature's diurnal rhythms of light and darkness play a key role in health and healing Napping is said to increase tamas the energy of lethargy and impact optimal functioning of the liver it is considered therapeutic when you are unwell or if someone is a child or elderly if you are struggling with symptoms and you need the nap do nap sitting upright on a lounger when you start doing better gently let it go have a wonderful day Hi everyone I hope you enjoyed the show today just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only it is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional this information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services if you are looking for personal help on your health journey do seek out a qualified professional please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com it is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care especially when it comes to chronic health condition be sure to subscribe to the sleep whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches